Gary asked me to step in to preach this morning. So uh, your bulletin says that we're in Exodus 19. We're actually not going to do that. Um, you can turn to 2 Kings chapter 17. And, and we, we just decided it probably didn't make sense for me to have a backup sermon every week that followed. Um, so uh, I got to choose my own. And, uh, and I wanted to go to 2 Kings 17 uh, today. Um, this is a passage. There's some passages in Scripture that, I don't know about you, but, but that, that just resonate with me, that I connect deeply with. And, and this is one of those um, and I was reminded of it about, about a year and a half ago. Uh, but l- let me pray, and, and then we'll, uh, we'll get into our time. Lord, ah, God, I'm, I'm so grateful that you are good, that, that you are sovereign, Lord. Um, I feel extra aware right now that, that we, we just need you all the time. W- whether we know it or not, we need you. No matter how we're feeling, we, we need you, God. We need your grace, we need your mercy. We need you to show us truth, Lord, because we, we don't want to stumble through this life thinking that we know what's going on when, when in reality we, we just, we need you. We need you to show us. And I'm, I'm thankful for your word, Lord. I'm thankful. Um, I'm thankful for this passage and, um, and in the way it really serves us, Lord, uh, and, and shows us uh, how great our need is for you. Um, so, Lord, would you speak today? Would you speak to our hearts and our lives? Would you uncover anything that needs to be uncovered, Lord? Uh, and we help us to follow you, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen. Uh, so, I've talked several times. I went, I went to Multnomah Bible College in Portland. Uh, loved it there. Um, a lot of great relationships came out of uh, out of my time there. Um, I, I got to see actually uh, some guys I haven't seen in like twelve years. This last Christmas, a, a bunch of guys came to town, and and it was it was like being back in the dorms again, um, without studying though. Uh, actually, we probably didn't do that much, um, but it, it was it was so good to see my friends. Uh, but I was reminded of a, a friend that I made at Multnomah uh, named Jim, and, and we. We got really close, really, really quick, and, and, and we'd sit, um, we'd sit together and, and have these discussions about about Christ and 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 how he he changed our lives, how he how he'd saved us from man, from from walking in darkness, thinking we knew what was going on, and 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 and, and gave us meaning and purpose in, in life. And we talked theology and. I'm sure we, we, we debated things. When we talked about ministry, we were both youth ministry majors. Um, and it, it was just, it was great. It was such, it was such a good friendship for me. Um, and and uh, uh, we were in school a couple of years together. And, and then he stopped, uh, it was like one summer, this is before cell phones, right? So, and I'm a guy, I'm just not good at like keeping in contact with someone unless you're right in front of me. So I, I didn't talk to him all summer. Um, after our sophomore year, and came back to school, and uh, and Jim wasn't even there, and and nobody knew why, um, and then finally yeah, I got a hold of him, got together, and and uh, he just couldn't afford to go to school, is what he said, um, and it, and even though it, like I said I wasn't great at like keeping in contact, we were we were in the same city again during the school year, so uh, so I'd go over and see him, and, and we'd have talks, and and it was good, and and, and Jim when we were in school he was so great at asking me like the questions that 
that I needed to be asked, right, about following Jesus. Like, he just saw into stuff in my life, and, and he helped me, um, he helped me grow. Um, he, it, was, it was such a good relationship for me. So, uh, so I, you know, I tried to do the same back, and um, over that next year, uh, he was just less interested in having those conversations. Like, he stopped asking me any of those questions that I needed him to ask me, um, and, and, and I would ask him some of those questions that, that he needed. Um, and, and, and over time, I realized, like, he, he was not interested in, in talking about these things. And, and then eventually, like, he wouldn't want to get together. Or, or it didn't seem like that. Like, at first, it seemed like he had something legitimate going on. But, but then I realized, like, he didn't want to, he just wasn't interested in getting together and, and talking. And our relationship really faded. And, and, uh, and I talked to other friends at school, and, and we all got really concerned for Jim. And, and, and there were signs that we saw over time that, like, man, I don't think this is good, like what, what he's doing. And they weren't big things. Like it wasn't obvious stuff, but just little indicators that, like, I don't know how Jim is doing with Jesus. Um, and, and over the next, like, two years, the, the signs got bigger and bigger, and, and, and one of us would try and have a conversation with him, and, uh, and pretty soon we, we were just getting the, the stiff arm, you know, like, I, I don't even want to, I don't want to talk about Jesus. Um, but we all still hoped, you know, that, that he was just going through a funk or something, and, and that, you know, not, not that he'd even end up back at school with us, but just that he would follow Christ, um, and, and, and then one day, uh, I remember, um, I don't know if anybody remembers this, but for the, there was a time when McDonald's sold cheeseburgers for like 29 cents. It was crazy, right? And I'm pretty sure, <laughs> I see a hand there. I'm going to take that as an amen. Um, uh, and, and college males all over the country abused that. So eventually they're like, you can only buy 10 at once. So, you know, so we, we'd send a couple guys and they'd buy a ridiculous amount of cheeseburgers. Um, and, uh, and bring it back, and, you know, we'd eat way too many cheeseburgers. Um, uh, but, but one day, uh, a couple of my friends went uh, to go get those cheeseburgers on a, I, I think the McDonald's is on Gleason or something like that. Gleason or Stark, one of the two. And, uh, and it, it came back, and uh, you could just tell something was wrong. And, and we're like, what is going on? And, and they, saw, they saw Jim's vehicle. Like, there was no doubt. They saw Jim's vehicle at this strip club. Like middle of the day. I, not that that makes it better at all, actually. But, but you know what I mean, though? Uh, like, what is going on here? And, and it just rocked us. Like, no one ever would have guessed that. Like, no one would have guessed that that's where Jim was getting up. And anyway, things got way worse from there for Jim. And I, I won't even go into all of it. But, um, but I watched this. You know, I'd been following Jesus for a while. But, but I watched, like, this slow decay in, in my buddy's life. In, in following Jesus, and it, it has served as this giant warning sign to me, because I, I wish Jim's story was the only story I know. I could sit here and brainstorm person after person that I know and love that, that they've stopped following Christ. It, it's easy, yeah, it, it's easier, I'll say that, to start following Jesus than to continue a lifetime of following Jesus. I, I don't mean that it's easy to follow Jesus at the beginning at all, um, but I kind of think it's easier. It's hard to keep going. And any one of us, uh, through, through a bunch of decisions, like, like his decisions, I guarantee you, it was hundreds and hundreds, maybe thousands of decisions that, that compounded. And, and, and he ended up just totally walking away from Christ. Um, I was driving up Prune Hill the other day, and, um, and, 
and this car is coming down the hill and it flashes its lights at me and I'm like, what's going on? Like, is there something on my roof? Like, and I realized, no, I drove from Portland. Like if there was something on my roof, it's been gone for a long time. I'm trying to figure out what's going on. Uh, and then I realized, oh, is he trying to tell me there's a cop up the hill? And sure enough, there's a cop sitting up the hill. And I don't, I know that's a thing. I never do that. Like I never, I never think to like warn other people. So sorry if you guys are all into that. Um, I will say once I pass the cop, every car I saw, I'm like flashing, hoping that, that they like, oh, but um, anyway, 2 Kings 17, it's, it's a warning to us. It's a flashing of the lights. Um, so 2 Kings uh, 17 um, this is, so where we've been in Exodus this is like 700 years later, a little more than that. Um, and in Israel, God's people, they're, they're supposed to be this holy nation, right, that, that represented um, God to the world. They, they were supposed to be this king, kingdom of, of priests that, that, would, that would show the other nations who, who the, the true God is. Um, but they made all these decisions, right, and, and they started out small. But they made all these, these compromises, um, and, and, and it gets bad. And eventually, like, the northern kingdom, uh, well, it splits into the northern and southern kingdom. And, and in the book of First and Second Kings, um, there's, there's about, I think it's 20 kings for the northern kingdom, 20 kings for the southern kingdom. And the, the northern kingdom, like, none of the kings are good. None of them just worship God. None of them get rid of the idols. Um, none of them follow the, the covenant that, that God's people had made with uh, with God. And, uh, and, and we come to Second Kings, uh, and in, in verse uh, 6 of chapter 17, it says, In the year of Hosea, uh, the king of Assyria captured Samaria, and he carried the Israelites away to Assyria and placed them in Halal and on the, on the harbor, the river of Gozan, and in the city of Medes. Uh, so, so they were exiled. And, and, and what follows here is is the why, why they're exiled. Like it's, it, the, the author like stops and, and shows us this is what happened. Like this is how God's people got there. Because um, God, in this relationship with Christ, like he is working in us. He's softening our heart. He's illuminating his word. He, he's helping us. The Holy Spirit is, is sanctifying us, making, mo- making us more and more like Jesus. But God will never, he doesn't make you choose to follow him. Like, if you want to make choices to not follow him, he'll let you. He lets us do that. And, and, and he sends warnings, and he gives us all these chances, but, but he just he doesn't force us. He doesn't stick that dog collar on us and, like, zap us when, when, it's not, when, we're, when we're not following. So this is, this is the picture we get here in verse 7. Um, and this occurred because the people of Israel had sinned against the Lord their God, who had brought them up out of the land of Egypt from under the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and had feared other gods, and had walked in the customs of the nations whom the Lord drove out before the people of Israel. Right? So they had their, their worship of Yahweh. Worship, they worshiped the one true God. But it says they, they feared other gods too. And they walked in these, these customs of the nations that, that God had he'd meant for, for their idol worship to be wiped out. Like God had, had, had delivered um, them, and, and they, they took on these things, though. They took on the culture. They started with little compromising, uh, compromises, worshiping the ways that, that, that these pagans worshiped. 
It says in uh, finishing verse 8, it says in the customs that the kings of Israel had practiced, right? Like I told you, the kings had done these, these horrible, horrible things. And then verse 9, it says, And the people of Israel did secretly against the Lord their God things that were not right. And that's how it starts. Like the author wants us to know, they started in secret. They did things that they knew they weren't supposed to do, right? That they knew weren't really following and trusting God. They weren't following the, the, this covenant relationship that they had. They, they, they had these secret things, and, and we are all prone to that, right? Like, we, we all, we're all so ready to have these little secret things, right, that, that we try and hide. And it started back in the garden, right? They sinned. They're afraid, so they hid. And, and we think, like, we can hide these things. And maybe we can from each other, but, but we can't from God, right? So they did these secret things that, um, that maybe they were sort of hidden to the people that, that would ask them, like, what are you doing? But they weren't hidden to God at all. It says, they built for themselves high places in all their towns, from watchtower to fortified city. They set up for themselves pillars and asherim on every high hill and under every green tree. So, so high places, like you read in the Old Testament a lot about high places. So they, they, would, they would go to these like peaks, right, on top of hills or, or mountains, and they would worship. And, and this, is, this is a pagan thing, right? It's like this is where like heaven and earth meet. So of course that's where we're going to go to make these sacrifices and, and do these rituals. And, and it, it describes it like, like these high places were all over the place, right? Kind of like how you see a Starbucks right there. And you're like, wait, there's a Starbucks and QFC too? Like, what do we need both of those for? Like, walk across the parking lot, right? Or, and then there's another one, like a quarter mile up the road. Like, they're everywhere. And that's where, like, these, these, these high places were all over the place. And there were these rituals being done. And it says uh, they set up pillars and Asherim. Uh, so Asherah was, was a, a goddess. It was the goddess of, of fertility, right? And... Um, and the, the, the practices, the, the rituals, like with sex slaves and just horrible, like disgusting, like vile, vile stuff would happen to, to this, this goddess Asherah, right? And then later in verse 16, we, we see that they were, uh, they were worshiping Baal too. I know we all say Baal, but it's Baal, like that's how you say it. Anyway, I might be the only one in the church that says it that way, but I won't ever stop. Um, so they're worshiping Asherah, goddess of sex, and Baal was, he was like the god, or not like, he, 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 was, he was the god of, of rain and thunder, and this is a Canaanite god, and the, the Canaanites would, 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 would seek Baal, trying to get power o- over their enemies from Baal, right? So we, we have the goddess of sex and the god of power, and not much has changed, right? A couple thousand years later, or thousands of years later. Like, that's, that's still, that's, that's what, that's what, we seek. That's what our culture seeks. That's what we're fooled into thinking that we want. So they're worshiping these things. Uh, Verse 11, um, and there they made offerings on all the high places as the nations did whom the Lord had carried away before them. They did wicked things provoking the Lord to anger. And they served idols which the Lord had said to them, you shall not do this. And then verse 13, Yet the Lord warned Israel and Judah by every prophet and seer 
saying, turn from your evil ways and keep my commandments and statutes in accordance with all the law that I commanded your fathers and that I sent to you by my servants, the prophets, right? So God, he sent warning after warning, right? God, God he, he doesn't want to destroy. He, he wants people to, to turn to him. And, and so he, he did this with the, the prophets. Like he sent prophet after prophet warning the people, come back to me. Come back. I can make this right. Turn to me. And, and, and I think um, all of us need to know that when we do make those decisions um, and, and, and we, we're confronted with our sin and we realize what we've done, there, there's a temptation to feel like, man, I'm too bad. I'm too bad to come back to the Lord. Um, but that is not true. Like Jesus' death for us was completely sufficient, right? And, and he knows. He knows every stupid, dumb thing I will ever do, every wretched sin I will ever commit, and the, the, the devil would love for me to think, you know what, Greg, that's just too many times, man. Like you are beyond the hope and the grace that is in Jesus. And that is, not, that is not true. So God sends, he sent these warnings to Israel. He sends these warnings to us. Turn from your ways. But Verse 14, but they would not listen. They were stubborn as their fathers had been who did not believe in the Lord their God. They despised his statutes and his covenant that he made with their fathers and the warnings that he gave them. And then this is so profound. They went after false idols and became false. They went after false idols and, and, and became false. And we run to things that we expect to satisfy us or things that will make us feel better happier, more fulfilled, and, and, and yet they're false. Like they, they're, not, they're not the real deal. They're a cheap knockoff. There's this word ersatz, E-R-S-A-T-Z, and that's just what it means. It means a, a cheap knockoff, right? Like, like not a, not, I'm sure there are probably knockoffs that you can buy them, and it's like, no, this is actually a pretty good product, right? But ersatz doesn't mean that. It means like, no, this is a piece of junk, you just wasted 10 bucks. You should have bought the real thing for 80 or whatever. And, and, and that's what we do. Like, we settle for ersatz. We, we, settle, we settle for these cheap knockoffs, thinking that they're going to satisfy us, that they're, that they're going to do what we need. And, and, and what we need is, is Jesus. We need the life that, that Jesus brings. Jeremiah 2.13, uh, and this isn't up there, sorry. Um, Jeremiah says, My people have committed two sins. They've forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that, that cannot hold water, right? So a cistern is, uh, it, it was meant to hold water. It's like this, this shaft dug into the ground, hewn out of stone. They're often like plastered so that it would hold water. And he's saying, you've you, you got these cisterns, you're trying to pour water in them, and it doesn't even work. Um, so I, I don't know. 
if you remember like the whole BPA, like scary plastic bottle thing, right? Um, if, if you don't, it was a thing, uh, or it probably still is, but we all know now. Um, so, so then like metal bottles became cool again, which I mean, in reality, they existed before. But uh, so I went to REI. I remember buying this. I'm like, yeah, this plastic isn't going to hurt me anymore. And I, I buy this water bottle. I loved this thing. It was awesome. And then eventually Hydroflask was invented and it's way better. But, um, uh, but you know, we, we, we run to these and we, we pour in to these water bottles. Yeah, <laughs> I drilled in it. Um, uh, it we, we pour into these things and, and we think, sorry, this side, there you go. Um, we keep doing this. Like we keep running to stuff that's never, it's never going to fulfill us. It's never going to give us the life that Jesus gives. Yeah, we do it over and over again. And that's what Jeremiah said to Israel. Like, what are you doing? Like, you know this cistern doesn't even work. And yet, yet you're, you're continuing to do the same thing over and over again. So it says they ran to these false idols and they became false. And they followed the nations that were around them concerning whom the Lord had commanded them that they should not do like. They abandoned all the commandments of the Lord their God. They made for themselves metal images of two calves and they made a, an, an Asherah and worshipped all the hosts of heaven and served Baal. And then this is where it gets nuts. Verse 17, And they burned their sons and daughters as offerings and used divination and omens and sold themselves to do evil in the sight of the Lord, provoking him to anger. And, and we read that, and you're like, Are you kidding me? Child sacrifice. That's unbelievable. I mean, it, it, I can't even fathom that existing. But you know, they didn't start there. Like not one of them walked in to the land and thought, man, child sacrifice is what I need to do. It was, it was a series, a series upon series of, of decisions that led them to thinking that this is, is what they needed. Um, sometimes I hate those cute little sayings that carry truth, um, but I'm going to share one with you because it's actually pretty good. Uh, it says, sin takes you further than you ever thought you'd go, keeps you longer than you ever wanted to stay, and costs more than you ever wanted to pay. And I think I think that is so true. Sin takes you further than you ever thought you'd go. And my guess is if you've been following Jesus even for a little bit, you relate to that. Like there's moments in your life like, man, how did I get here? How did I ever do whatever that secret thing is? I can't believe I did this. Right? And so often with those secret things, we we justify like, this is just one time. Like I'm just blowing off some steam. Like I'm not going to do this again. Or, or this, this isn't that bad for me. But man, it costs us so much. And, and that's, that's what happened to my friend Jim. Like it was just a bunch of little decisions, some secrets. He didn't want to let people into his life anymore. He wanted to do things his way. And, and things got way worse for him. And maybe by the world's standards, 
maybe didn't look so bad, but eventually it got, it got really, really bad. Um, and, and fortunately, uh, for my friend Jim, it wasn't the end of his story. Um, like financially he started doing well, like some things really did look pretty good. Um, but then there, there was a, a pretty horrible car accident. Um, there was a relationship that he had, he had kids with this woman and eventually she cheated on him. And, um, it, it was, it was, it was another series of really, really rough things. Um, but God used all those things to wake him up. And, and, and my friend Jim now has been following Jesus for a few years. And, and, and it's, it's been amazing to me to see him turn back to Christ. And he wishes, obviously, that he didn't go through any of it. Um, and, and now he's, he's trying, but he realizes he's totally susceptible. Right? He realizes like he has to have, particularly guys in his life, that he can confess stuff to, that he can talk to about really hard stuff that's, that's pretty embarrassing. It's really easy to come to church uh, anywhere, but I think church, we're more susceptible. Like we want to look like we've got it going on, right? Like we've got it together at least. This has to be a place where, where we can be totally real about where we're at. And I'm not saying like we stand up in front of the whole church and like confess everything, but I hope there's people in this room like you know, if you got something secret, that you can you can call them, you can text them, and say, yeah, "I got to get together. We got to talk because this is where I am, and I hate it, or, or I don't hate it, and that's what scares me." Like, if we're serious about following Jesus, like He gave us, He gave us one another so that we can do that, so that so that Second Kings seventeen isn't our story at all. Um, I'm passionate about people coming to know Jesus for sure. I'm just as passionate about us continuing to follow Christ. I hate the conversation when someone tells me they're not following Jesus anymore. It just tears me apart. And I've had so many good friends in the last couple of years that that's, that's where they are right now. And I'm praying like crazy. But man, let's follow Jesus together. Let's follow Christ. Let's not, <sighs> sorry, that was loud. Let's not, let's not let all these little decisions that, that, that take us away from Jesus creep in and think that they're not a big deal because they are. Because we're called, we're called to be a nation that, that points people to Christ, right? We're, we're called First uh, Peter, First Peter two nine says, "But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for His own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness into the marvelous light." Like that's that's what Israel is supposed to be. That's what we are supposed to be. We're supposed to be a people that are so ready to tell this world about God and not about these broken cisterns, right? We, we tell them that they're worthless. We're going to take uh, communion here in a little bit. And uh, if you haven't been with us before, we, we, we do this every week now um, because Jesus told us to do this a lot 
um, to remember the, the sacrifice, to remember the cross, how badly we need him. Um, so so we, we go up, and uh, you can do this by yourself. You can do this with others. And, and take a piece of the bread, which represents his body broken for us, and dip it in the cup, in the grape juice that represents his, his blood that, w- that was shed for us. And this is a, this is a family thing. Um, but before we do that, is Gary in the room? There's Gary. Can you come up here? Gary's going to uh, share with us. Um, and I know several of you got a letter this week, um, uh, either via email or snail mail. Yep. So uh, if you've been... Oh, hold on. Yeah. you hear me? Hear me now? Hear me now? Hear me later? There we go. We got you. So if you've been at Harvest for a while, you know that I'm dysfunctional uh, with Parkinson's and been dealing with that for about the past, I'm probably losing track of time, five or six or seven years. Most of the time I've been here, and so it's become more problematic lately than it had in the past, particularly at this time. This used to be a pretty good time for me, but now it's like one of the worst times for me, and so it's hard to preach. So you've been enjoying Greg's and other preaching because I've been offline. I had a fantastic sermon for today. You can't believe how good it was. (laughs) So easy to say. But Greg's drilling into our secret place that we need to confess sin about, so that's what we needed to hear today. But, uh, so, if you have, if we have your email address, we sent you a letter. If we have your snail mail address, we sent you a letter. If you have never divulged where you live, you don't know anything about this. So, uh, we're, last year, several months ago, we introduced to you that we had a uh, transition plan for if it's inevitable that Parkinson's continues, continues to get worse, and it has that we would uh, transition me out of the role of senior pastor and Greg into the role of senior pastor. So we're, we're starting that process just in terms of getting it rolling. There's still some details we need to work out to finalize some of the, the, uh, the, the timing and other issues related to that, but uh, we're working on it. And um, hopefully you can continue to pray that I get healed. I mean, that would be fantastic and, and, and we would have to figure out how to work with that. Uh, you can at least pray that I can continue to preach sometimes, unless you don't want that to happen, but don't pray that, pray against it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I'm trying to figure out, like, the, the right medicine cocktail to take in the morning, and it, it's just not working for me, so it's, it's, been, uh, it's been not happy time for that. So, pray for us as a church that this is a, a healthy time for a church, it's not a broken time for a church, it's God lets us have, deal with one another's brokenness, so you've been able to been patient with me you've been good you've been you've expressed your affection for me uh even saying hey we don't care if your voice is quivering we don't care if you're moving all over the place just continue on and so i i don't feel the pressure to like be super performance but uh it has been very physically difficult to me for me to preach lately so that's why i've not been doing it so um what else do i need to say well this is a great time for us as a church family to take communion together and to uh connect because we are one body and and God is at work in our midst so deal with your sin before the Lord deal with your brokenness before the Lord pray for one another take the Lord's body and blood together and we'll continue to grow together thank you so much for your love for us as a family and we'll continue we're we're gonna we're planning on hanging around so you're gonna have to like kick us out of the community if if we're gonna be gone altogether so we're gonna continue to be with you uh, whatever capacities that I can continue to do things that are useful helpful so, yeah, thank you very much. Bless, bless you. Yes, can come up. 
And I, I don't know if it's strange to you that, that we're coming before like we know an exact date or anything like that, um, but we're a family. This is a family matter. So we're asking you for help, right? We're asking you to pray. Um, pray, for, pray for the Smiths. Pray for the kids. Like this, you know, this stinks. Um, so pray for them. Like there's massive loss in this. Pray for my family. Um, pray for my kiddos. Like my daughter's wrecked that I'm not going to be the youth pastor. Um, pray for our elders, our staff. Like, we, we need the Lord. So we, we're inviting you into this before we have the answers, right? <laughs> like we're going to have the answers. But uh, we, we need you. So let's pray, and then, and then we'll, we'll worship together. God, you, you are good. And I just cling to that, Lord. Um, I cling to your goodness. Because uh, sometimes it's, it's just it's hard to see what's going on at all. Um, I think we all know what that's like. So Jesus, we, we put our trust in you, and we ask for your grace, Lord, and, and there's so many, so many ways that, that we can point to your grace in, in this body. Um, Lord, I do pray for Pastor Gary. I do pray for healing, Lord. God, I also pray that, uh, that he get to preach again, Lord, um, that we would get to hear from our pastor again, Lord. I pray for the future and transition and um, for how Gary and I are going to work together, Lord, and the elder team and the staff, all that, Lord. We, we just know we need you. So we, we, ask, um, we ask for your presence to be so clear. We ask for wisdom. And God, we ask that we really would be, be a church that's, that's proclaiming the excellencies of, of you, God. In your name we pray. Amen.